This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. Let's get paid. Hello, everyone. My name is Christian Kroll at Dr. Kroll, and I will be the host today of the Farm So Hard podcast talking about the VAM study, the VAM intra-hospital cardiac arrest study. I actually have a special guest with me today, PharmD and the ED, hey. who's going to be uh, walking me through this and making sure I don't mess up. <laughs> no, you're going to do a, you know, a great job. I'm just here to, to just be here and answer a few questions, but really, we're going to walk down because if you guys know me, you know, I'm a big fan of vasopressin. I'm a big fan of ketamine. I'm a big fan of a few drugs, but vasopressin is definitely one of them. And I don't know about you, Kristen, but, you know, when I look at the data, I look at the, the pathophysiology and the pharmacology, vasopressin makes sense to me. I think it does make sense, especially in these like critical scenarios we've seen now with the septic shock guidelines updating to now where vasopressin is that number two agent. We're seeing a big trend towards vasopressin. So uh, I think this study just kind of highlights how we're starting to trend that way as well. Absolutely. But before we get into this, guys, I got to make sure I do a quick shout out for a few things we got going on. If you've been living under a rock, you probably haven't heard me talk about the PACU. Again, pharmacy and acute care university, that's going to be where we do our premium work and where everything comes from. Um, pharmacy fraud, they pearls from Farm So Hard. And we're going to get more exclusive information from different experts throughout. So go check that out. It's going to be at pharmacy slash acute care university, or you can go and check the show notes. That's going to be a big thing for us. And we're going to get back to our routine of releasing our episode. So uh, if you guys get tired of me talking about it, I'm going to be done. I'm actually tired of talking about it, but my marketing team makes me do it. So please don't hate me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump right into it. So this study is very timely. We've actually seen a lot of trials come out recently. We had TT, uh, TTM2 come out recently that was focusing on targeted temperature management and cardiac arrest. So timely that this one uh, trial came out recently as well, looking at vasopressin and steroids in cardiac arrest as well. So around each year in the United States, there's about 300,000 patients that experience an uh, intra-hospital cardiac arrest. And about 50% of those end up getting ROSC. And then about another 50%, so 25% total end up surviving that event. So not great numbers right away. Now, when we look at the great history of this, we've had two trials previously, two bigger trials that looked at vasopressin plus steroids in the, in addition to epinephrine, kind of our standard in cardiac arrests. So these two trials were done in 20, uh, 2009 and 2013, and were both done in Greece by the same investigator. Now, these trials showed great uh, improvements in ROSC and great improvements in survival. So. Since then, the 2020 ACLS guidelines have came out, and because those trials were smaller and such, that there wasn't enough evidence yet to recommend for or against vasopressin uh, in cardiac arrest for all patients. So this trial, timely enough, came around to end that issue. So this study, uh, looking at vasopressin, uh, was done in Denmark. This was done in 10 trial centers. Uh, so if pretty big trial area and included about 500 patients. So comparatively for cardiac arrest, 
I would say quite a big study. Uh, and we've been seeing, again, with TTM2, these bigger trials of cardiac arrest patients coming into play. Now, with this, it followed the similar protocol that we saw with those two earlier Greek studies, where after the first dose of epinephrine, whether it was a shockable rhythm or not, we gave uh, that dose of epinephrine followed by 20 units of vasopressin plus 40 milligrams of methylprednisolone. After that point, with every sub, uh, af, after that point, with every single dose of epi, we gave another 20 units of vasopressin until we reached a total of 80 units of vasopressin. This is a little bit different than the previous study that looked, the previous two studies that looked at 100 total units uh, maxing out. So a little bit less, uh, but the same amount of steroid. Now, within this, they ended up cutting their group from 2,300 patients that were enrolled in the study all the way down to 501 patients. A decent amount of those were from patients that either got ROSC really early from a shock right away, that first shock after and getting uh, ROSC back where you didn't, weren't able to get an epinephrine in. And then there was also a decent amount of patients, almost 200, where the team forgot to give the trial drug. And I know from being in multiple cardiac arrest settings that this is, I think it helps the external validity a little bit just because we commonly run, run to a uh, hospital arrest and we might be late to that or we might not think about that or we might have new physicians with us all the time too. So I think it does add some external validity to this, but unfortunately didn't make our size as big. Now, within this, there was a lot of non-shockable rhythms. Uh, the time to first epi was pretty good. It was at five minutes uh, from the beginning of the hospital arrest. And then our time to first trial drug was eight minutes. So pretty timely, I would say. I looked through the uh, supplemental appendix and looked through the whole article. I didn't see that there was a pharmacist required to be at all of these meetings. And I know that Jimmy likes to be throwing that vasopressin around too. So I'm sure if he was on the team, he'd probably get it down to, I don't know, Jimmy, he'd probably get down to 5.5 minutes or something. Absolutely. (laughs) But either way, um, this, so this study uh, didn't have a whole lot of exclusion criteria, really only pregnancy. And if you were on, uh, had started ECPR or ECMO for these patients, were you excluded? So also a pretty uh, inclusive study. Now the study right away had a great primary endpoint of looking at ROSC and they found that ROSC was significantly higher with the vasopressin steroid group. Now this was great. However, our secondary endpoints of survival did not change. This unfortunately kind of, uh, this unfortunately did not meet that mark where we would want to then potentially add this to our standard regimen. So we're showing more ROSC, not more survival. Um, Now with this, there wasn't really any major adverse drug reactions noted or any more uh, side effects from, from the treatment group. And when we looked at the differences between all the patients, really the only thing that showed a difference was if those patients that got that trial drug with under eight minutes potentially had a better outcome, but again, was not powered to show that by any way. So with this, I think we're kind of put in a interesting spot to me. We're showing more ROSC, it's pretty high difference in ROSC, about almost 10% difference in ROSC with this uh, therapy, but no difference in survival. What does that mean to you in your practice? So for me, it really, when I look at this whole study, it makes me think a few things. I already like vasopressin, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm not one of these practitioners who don't use things because they just like it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Sometimes I practice 
emotion-based medicine when I have some evidence-based medicine to, to approach that. But I think I want to see what happens if I gave the drug a little quicker. What happens if I give 20 units with Epi up front and give those steroids? So again, I'm, I'm intrigued. And of course, the thing that it was powered to do based off a great sample size analysis and an effect size analysis done by the previous study, which I appreciate, it did show something. So I think if we look at this and look at good neurological outcomes and base off those studies and make it a primary endpoint, maybe in the future we can reanalyze something like this or re redesign a trial that can find those outcomes. Because personally, I believe it may be there. I think the less epi you give, I think the less bicarb you give, uh, <laughs> it's going to be something that may be beneficial. So I, I'm going to ask to use this a little earlier in those patients, especially when my provider say, oh, you know, they've been down for a couple of minutes. Like, no, 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 we can actually give it sooner. Let's give vasopressin. I have it here. Uh, Again, this is just, if I had to choose, that's what I'm going to go towards. Definitely agree. I, I think when we look back at like paramedic two and such, when in the retrospectives after that, where giving epi earlier is showing to be better. And the longer we delay epi is worse for patients. I think if we, and some of the uh, new meta-analysis that's going to be coming out here, looking at these trials with this trial involved too, showing that the sooner we give vasopressin still is kind of on that edge of giving, uh, making it better. And we know that uh, Epi's effect starts to wean after about three minutes as well too. And vasopressor is that, that great wingman that likes to boost up our vasopressors. So if we're given vasopressin within that three minute time window, hopefully probably at the time, at the peak time, when Epi is at its highest and we give vasopressin, we boost that even more, decrease our low flow time. I think that I agree. I think that we could get there. And I think this at least is showing that promise. Now, I don't think that we can take ROSC as a final outcome with these patients yet, but I think we're getting close, closer as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that it gives, it still, it gives us more insight at least to push forward and potentially add this in. But I, for my personal practice, I don't think I'm there yet to recommend this in every patient, but especially with those ones where those intra- hospital cardiac arrest that somebody's in there within minutes and you're at, you're maybe down the hall from your rounding team. Maybe it is something to consider. Yeah. And that's the thing for me. It, it's, it makes it more likely for me to recommend it. Um, again, I'm a fan. And I think that the previous studies that we, we, we was able to see that it may be beneficial. I'm a personal fan of 20 units up front. Um, many people may argue that it doesn't make a big difference, whether it's 20 units versus 40, but that's just my personal opinion based off the data. And that's what I think is going to be the way we do this and given the steroids up front as well. Um, one big thing that I wanted to mention again, is that we did not again, find good neurological outcomes. And that's an obvious limitation to this. This is an obvious, and that's something that we just got to throw out there. Even if we like the study or not, I think other than that, this is a very well-designed study, and I believe that everyone should just sit down and look at all the data and see whether we should just continue doing the same thing we've been doing since 1906. Oh, just give him one milligram of epi. Uh, I don't know if the data is overwhelming that epi is better. I think it just makes it for where it's simple to give epi, but I think we're getting to the point now where most people listening to this, they may be at shops that 
a little bit more advanced than just the traditional ACL Scott lines. There are the people who actually read the entire study. They, they read the entire breakdown of the guideline and not just the algorithm. So I believe it's something that people should sit down and see if it makes sense for them and analyze their own data. And I think that's where we need to do, look at our own data, see what we have and go from there because we may find something and we may provide benefit to our patients. Definitely agree. I think one other thing that I just want to leave with too is that this study was definitely different than the previous two, as in the previous two, almost all of their arrests came from the ICU areas where you have those pharmacists and that whole team right next to you. This study had more like 70, like uh, 70% were hospital ward patients. So mm-hmm. your general floor patients. So maybe you're not getting into them as quick, but you're showing that ROSC uh, benefit just as much too. So I couldn't even imagine if they broke down the ICU and they had hundred percent there too. So I think where you're located, your patient's located too might impact that as well. This Absolutely. wasn't a high uh, ED study, unfortunately, less than 10%, most of it, but uh, maybe we could start looking in those areas too. Absolutely. And I think anyone who's ever went to a floor code, anyone mm-hmm. who's been on call or been part of a rapid response team that went to a floor code knows how chaotic that can be. If you can get ROSC in that environment, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that you can get ROSC in a different environment. I've been places where there's 40 people in the room and I think the number one objective was to panic, <laughs> not get ROSC. Everyone panic now. So we can find benefit in these patients. And we, can, we can find ROSC Again, this is something that I believe we should look more into before changing the guidelines, but it's something that I believe that we should really look really hard at at all of our institutions in the ED, in the ICU, and make a decision to whether we should just consider it. And I think that's where we are when it comes to the study. I like it, man. I, I want more. I want more. I want a bigger trial. I want a, a bigger ED ICU trial. But again, I, I, I like it. I want an out-of-hospital one as well. But I'm intrigued and this just makes me think to myself, you know, should we do vasopressin? Probably. Can I recommend it every time? Not yet, but I'm definitely getting close to having enough data to say I like vasopressin just as much as epi. But really, I think the big argument for me is vasopressin versus bicarb. And people say, what the heck does that have to do with it? You know, why would you compare vasopressin and bicarb? And the number one rationale, people say, Jimmy, the patient's been down. They're completely acidotic. And vasopressin, in theory, is not impacted in the same manner as our other catecholamines like epi that we would give. So instead of giving bicarb, not blowing off the CO2, building up that intracellular acidosis, we can then use something that does not produce additional CO2 that actually increases your perfusion and, from this study, increases your chance of ROSC unlike the horrible bicarb. So that's, that's my, that's my big things with this study. I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. I'm excited for what, uh, what other studies going to be coming out for cardiac arrest this year? Cause I know one's going to be coming soon, but yes, definitely enjoyed going over this with you today. Uh, and I think that's, well, this doesn't necessarily show the exact thing we were hoping to find from vasopressin. I think it starts to turn that key a little bit to at least open some potential possibilities. Absolutely. All right. Well, any that's that's my my final thoughts of that. Um, you want to close us out? Sure. Well, reviewing on the VAM IHCA study or the VAM the VAM intra hospital cardiac arrest study, we there was vasopressin plus steroids given versus placebo. This was a ten trial ten study 
trial that was done overseas in Denmark and showed a significant increase in ROSC with the treatment group of vasopressin plus steroids, but did not show a survival benefit or neuro outcome benefit. While this does give us some interest into upcoming studies, uh, I I agree with Jimmy. I don't see this necessarily changing guidelines at this current moment. That's all I got. Yeah, perfect. Well, guys, you know how I close it out the same way every time. Uh, You don't have to be a pharmacist. You don't have to work in an ED, but everything you do, make sure you form so hard. Thank you. Thank you.